0: Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 508 with Jay Bear of Saison Market.
1: You're as dependable as anybody else would be. The standard is set by you. The culture is set by you. You maintain and foster that identity for what the place is.
0: Introducing Ethics Suite, the first and only misconduct, theft, and fraud reporting platform exclusively for the restaurant industry. Check out RestaurantEthics.com to see how restaurant employees can report any concerns anonymously, easily, and securely from any device with internet connection. However, if you're an owner or manager, you should check out EthicsSuite.com slash RestaurantUnstoppable for more information on how you can monitor and respond to these reports and stay informed about issues that could affect your business and your reputation. One more time. That's ethicssuite dot com slash restaurants unstoppable. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Jay Bear. Jay, my man, are you feeling unstoppable today? Yeah, yeah, I mean. To a degree of <laughs> unstoppability. <laughs> I'll take it. Uh, Jay Bear was raised in Augusta County, Virginia with a passion for beer. Bear got his brewer certificate at Siebel Institute. Did I say that correct? Siebel. Yep. Siebel Institute. Okay, cool. Alongside a business partner and friend, Chef Adam Hall, the early conversations of opening a restaurant began over home brewing sessions and dinner parties with friends. And in 2012, with a passion for Latin food, anthropology, and craft beer, Bear and Hall opened their first restaurant, Saison. Saison uh, was followed by Saison Market in 2014. And in 2017, Bear teamed up with Michelle Jones, Jason Alley to open Flora. And most recently, the same trio is working on their latest gig, which is Bingo, a brew arcade. Man, you got a lot going on. Yes. I can't wait to dive into your story. But before we do, let's get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra. What do you got for us?
1: Um, I think that we say a lot is uh, that you have to be able to make rice before you cut ice kind of thing. It's a classic one in the industry where you've got to know the basics, know the rules um, before you can start jumping into a lot of more creative things. Kind of know the rules to break the rules kind of thing. Um, We use for especially our uh, creative bar staff and kitchen staff sometimes you're trying out new ideas. That um, it's important to understand the foundations, to understand um, where things come from, why historic recipes work, uh, why ratios work.
0: Yeah. Okay. So, like the foundations too. Like it's the basics of how to do the job, but also I can't help but think of just the values behind doing the job, the the, the why For behind sure. it all. Why yeah. why is the why so important?
1: Um, you've got to have a, a strong foundation to to know you know what every other person who's you know, maybe ahead of you in shifts or kind of in that hierarchy within the restaurant, all the, the things that they have done to to get to that place, mm. um, the hours they've put in, the things that they've learned, the amount of times they've cleaned out the grease trap to get to the place. You know, yeah.
0: um, there's got to pay the dues. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you do. I dig it, man. Where did it all start for you? When did you know that this was going to be your life, your passion? Um, I started working
1: in restaurants, um, in high school and I did really enjoy it. The, the fast pace, the, uh, connection with coworkers, um, the service to others, um, was all really enjoyable. Uh, in college I started working in the back of the house, um, worked almost the entirety of my college career in the back of the house and, and really loved it. Um, it was a little Greek place in Harrisonburg in college, um, and the owner kind of took me under his wing to explain the business side to me. Um, and I was I was loving it. I wasn't sure that was what I was going to do, but I knew that I really loved the industry. Um, after college, I, I started running a place, was given the opportunity. Um, first, I, I was hired as uh, as a line cook and just kind of busted my butt, cleaning every little corner, trying to trim where we could um trying to just work really hard was given opportunities uh to lead the kitchen shortly after was given a chance to run the restaurant
0: let's uh, tap on the brakes a little bit sure. i want to go deeper here so yeah. back of house uh you loved the aspect of the restaurant industry. can you get specific about what it was exactly that you loved uh the was it the camaraderie was it the 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 attention to detail get specific what really drew you in
1: um i mean the the camaraderie Um, For sure, working side by side with everybody through a crazy busy dinner service um, and kind of watching each little piece of the cogs like come together and just work like this little humming machine while you're just everybody is so busy. And then, you know, sometimes you're thrown in the weeds and helping each other to get out Um, the communication that has to happen between each segment is just like it's a really um, awesome language. Um, that happens between people and and how you communicate to get things done, sometimes it breaks down and you know um, definitely worked in more than enough shifts where
0: uh, so what know. do you learn about communication in that experience like where, where were you before that experience, and where were you after learning how to communicate better? like can you get specific 'm um, still learning
1: to communicate better. always learning. constantly yeah. uh, communication is uh, organizational communication is a big. Uh, thing for, for me, just make sure everybody's on the same page and that we're candidly working together and considering emotions, but being honest with each other. I think that, uh, let's dive into that later. Let's save sure.
0: let's save, uh, where we are with uh, the evolution of your communication sure. or the evolution of your communication, uh, learning process, but reflecting back at this time, where were you before that experience? And what did you learn about communication in this? In this I mean,
1: in general at that point, not very good. You know, it was like, awkward still nerdy college kid that didn't really know um how to communicate well in general <laughs> had like some social anxiety as well and kind of each little
0: bit um each successive service each year so you said you had this owner who took you under his wing mm-hmm. um did he help with your communication and social anxiety did he give you more confidence did he help in that regard
1: um yes and no i like there are a lot of opportunities where you can learn from the negative side of things. Um, and he was, he was incredibly talented in operations, um, marketing promotion, but like was not the nicest dude (laughs) a lot of the times. Um, and, and kind of watching how some people were being beaten down at times or just, um,
0: emotionally not, Considered, You learned a lot about who you didn't want to be.
1: Yes. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 he was very inspiring, um, but also there were like a lot of character traits where you're like, whoa, like these are not things that I would like to yeah. hold on to.
0: So let's dive into the good then. What were the good things that you picked up from him? The things that he, how he improved you as a person and as not, like a business um, person?
1: Operationally, uh, dependability, um, the... Uh, you know the the relationships that he fostered with his suppliers and interactions there, and expectations that were held that you know a high level of accountability and dependability. Like,
0: so what do you mean by that accountability with the suppliers? Was he holding them accountable, like getting them to be accountable, um, or him being accountable to them, paying bills on time and things like that? Both. That like okay. you know
1: that's a reciprocal relationship there. That um, you know when you're working with like very large companies or very small companies that. You know, everyone's being treated in a in a professional way, and that you're taking care of your debts and dues to to each supplier. Okay, um,
0: I dig it. So, what about uh, you, uh, some of these other business lessons you picked up from? Anything come to mind, or should we move on to the time you spent in college running your own? Um, operation? Not your own, but yeah, I mean, that's,
1: there were. He was. He was just really. He was very ambitious and he was able to like, create teams um, of people that, like, that were empowered to, to do their jobs and do their jobs and kind of allowed to do their jobs. He, um,
0: so he, he built teams, but he empowered them and he, and he enabled them to do their jobs well.
1: Yeah. And I mean, there were some micromanagement things. It wasn't terrible as far as I was concerned there. I've worked for other folks that were um, just kind of made it difficult. So
0: knowing what you know now, how did he do what he did? How did he build those teams? What was he doing to build these teams and to empower them?
1: I mean, um, before he had come into uh, independent restaurant work, he had run corporate places. And I'm sure that some of those uh, corporate policies organizational things that were beneficial um, that he recognized as positive things were held onto. Um, we never really sat down and, and talked about like why he did those things. It was kind of more Socratic where he just like do stuff and kind of open up some questions. And so
0: he, he opened up the channel of communication for people to feel like they could contribute or add to.
1: Um. Yes. And and no like it wasn't always <laughs> that it was that there was a way forward with him okay um but you're like you you could some some questions or um, some some pads I got you would kind of open up for you
0: let's move forward because I want to make sure we spend plenty of time talking about what you got going on today sure. uh, so let's zoom to thirty thousand feet real quick at the big picture mm-hmm. from this experience this is high school you had a you said a role this was college. college this was college yeah okay so um Any other mentors that reflecting back, people that you reflect back on who've influenced you in the world of business, in the world of hospitality before opening your own place that weren't acknowledgement right now?
1: Um, I mean, so many people in so many different ways. It's, I mean, watching people like Jason Alley, he was definitely inspirational knowing that like he kind of went into his own part of the city that was did you
0: did you work with Jason before opening? I didn't, um, okay.
1: but knowing him um, and knowing his restaurants and knowing like, the location of a Broad Street. So
0: you and Jason knew each other before you got into the business?
1: Um, before I opened my own spot, I'd been in the business for a while, moved back to Richmond. I knew of Jason. I can't okay. say that he, I, I doubt if he knew who I was at <laughs> all. And probably not until Saison yeah. was open for yeah. a couple of months. He was like, oh,
0: my or neighbors guy's are doing, doing a good yeah, job. Yeah
1: um do we get to really know each other. But where he was and kind of what he was doing, what he was creating, um the iteration of Southern Food that he was doing, the kind of utilizing a a restaurant to to help build the the neighborhood, and the community around it. I mean there was there was a lot of boarded up spots. There might have been a yeah. couple of uh of coffee shops, not even coffee shops, maybe some art galleries on Broadway. There there's nothing there. So he yes. was he was inspired to know that like you can go for it. Mm. Like, you, like, you can take a risky place, a risky um, business, and, and go for it. Um,
0: so, he inspired you to, to take that leap, would, would you say? It definitely. Influenced yeah, you?
1: I mean, he did. Uh, Dave, who was um, my boss in Harrisburg, he was inspirational to me as
0: well. So, I'm going to uh, tap on the brakes real quick because yeah. 2012 was when you started dreaming. To, or you've always been dreaming, but 2012 is when you started taking action to get this, this place open. Your we first
1: started, first. actions probably started in like late, in, in 2010 is when we 2010. started. 2010. Yeah, that's when and we you're started. You're not an
0: old guy, so this is going back eight years ago. How old were you? 20? I don't want to make nah, assumptions. I'm 40 years old. You're 40 years old? Well, yeah. you're a damn good looking 40 year old, dude. Appreciate it. No that. grays. You dye your hair?
1: Nah. What um, the hell? We <laughs> there's, there's a couple of blondes, as I like to call them, that uh, I've got okay. growing on the temples. Old. But um, still
0: 32 years old, you know? Um, it's about a, on par for when people start to transition from working in the business to working on their businesses. Sure. Uh, so who, what big things happened between graduating college when you're, you know, 21, 22, 10 years, what was going on in that 10 year slot that said, Hey, you know, like I'm going to like, how did you transform, transform during this time to become somebody who ultimately opened their own restaurant?
1: Um, so after school, I didn't, I didn't finish school, left um, almost finishing two degrees um, and knew that I wanted to be in food and beverage industry. Um, took that job in, in Richmond, um, little restaurant in Carytown Um, and there was given opportunities to run the thing. Um, it was not very successful from a, uh, a sales
0: perspective.
1: Um, why? Um, well, what I, what I took note of was that like morale wasn't great. Um, is this
0: the same restaurant we were talking about before? No, different ones. Okay. So that
1: one was, uh, in Harrisonburg um and this uh was in Richmond and back in time. Richmond when you came back. So now yeah. you're
0: 22, 23 years old?
1: Um at that point I would have been 20, 30, 24. Okay, and back. how long were you here? Um how long was I at this lo- at this location? I was there 6, 7 years. Okay. 6 years was there for So
0: majority of your pre uh Ownership, yeah, role. fairly
1: evenly split between there and uh, another large beer bar okay. in town. Um, so spent like five, six years there as well.
0: So what'd you learn during this time? What were the biggest takeaways running this this restaurant in your mid twenties?
1: Um, the importance of a team that can communicate and work together. Um, the importance of of honesty in in food. Um. You know, even if I mean we were it was a diner we weren't you know doing crazy things um, but instead of just buying things out of bags and just adding water and salt we were like it was like yo let's make let's make food like these guys are talented there's people here that have ability let's make food and that that translated as the quality improved and people recognized that we got much busier there um, and more profitable. So and morale went up from front house being much busier back house recognizes like they, they're actually creating something and, um, our profitability increased as we were able to utilize all the ends of each of these pieces to, because you're spreading that
0: probably, you're, you're getting the most of, you're not just throwing things away. You are really getting exactly. the most of that, uh, that, you know, that, uh, what's the word, uh, return on yeah. the investment. So, um, you mentioned communication again. Um, w- did you improve on your communication from a different point when you were in college and from coming to this this area? Like, how did you evolve? How did you take that communication to a different level in this role?
1: Um, there being, you know, having been a, a coworker worker um, with most of the people that were on the team and then through each step, like I was, I I'd had another position of leadership a bit of leadership and still had was coworkers with those folk, but had to have people be accountable. So I'll make
0: sure I understand. So you're saying you're climbing like the, the ladder of moving up from like a, maybe a, a assistant manager to a manager. And now you're running these people, but you, and you're transitioning from being, you know, a coworker to a, a boss. Yeah. So what was that transition? Like, how did you master that?
1: Um, uh, master. Yeah. I don't know if that's Sorry. what I would call it. I think we were, <laughs> um, it was, um, we were very, Effective And it was it was a lot of candor. Um, I think it's an important thing that the um, the idea that you will care about someone honestly, but be able to directly say to them what you need and what you need from them.
0: To, to be stern, but do it in a way that you're not necessarily abrasive.
1: Yeah. I mean, like, you have so many bosses that can be shithead bosses. Pardon my French. No, man. Um, you can,
0: whatever comes out right. is, is what happens. I'm not going to filter you at all.
1: Cool. Um, so, I mean, there's, there's a lot of bosses who are just like, get it done, get it done, like, without trying to connect. And I think there's a lot of times as well where things can be, like, very passively and passive-aggressively done where, like, you know, you don't like the way something's going on, but instead of directly letting somebody know this needs to stop that you know you nitpick on other things or um you know emotionally kind of take people down without directing that energy at you know just solving kind of the
0: problem solving the problem yeah so um, take us through what that what that done right looks like when you see somebody who maybe not be might not be doing it to, to your standards how you want it done uh, how do you approach that situation? Do you start by complimenting them first, or like what? What is like the, the way that looks like done art, artfully? Look like
1: in in correcting, yeah, what, what or, you or
0: being candid and just getting to the point, but not bringing people's uh, I guess I, I don't know um, spirits down with, with sure, like sucking the air habit. out of the room yeah. kind of yeah. thing.
1: Um, I think it's important to uh, to like separate yourself from like the the space. Yeah, I mean, it is weird because anytime you're like, hey, can I talk to you for a little while, it does put people often in uh, a defensive stance. Yeah. Um, But I think that's much better than trying to direct any of that to somebody on a busy line or, you know, I've definitely seen more than enough managers kind of berate someone in front of their coworkers, Mm. which is just... Awful,
0: never. They're not <laughs> listening to you, by the way, when you're saying, all they're listening, to, all they're thinking about is like, I fucking hate this guy right yeah, now. Absolutely. Because he's making me look like a jerk in front of all these people. Yeah. And whatever you're saying to them is going in one ear and out the other because they're just pissed off at you. Absolutely. Uh, it's You're not doing yourself any justice by taking that approach. Uh, okay. So, so I mean, for for us, I
1: mean, um, and what I've tried to do there, and I think we're, I'm, we're much better at now, um, is to, you know, Remove everyone from that, like, when you have a chance, you know, you're not like, get off the line, come talk to yeah. me now. Uh, when you have the chance to
0: discuss. Wait until after service, not in the middle of service, because you're going to probably sink that ship. Totally. <laughs> and they're going to be useless for the rest of the night. They'll be and useless. it's just going to snowball.
1: The, I mean, the energy, like I said, with the sucking out of the room, like, it, when you have those kind of things, um, those kind of interactions during an insanely busy service, they so negatively impact every other piece so like when a guest who has a food allergy or something on those lines walks back into the kitchen and has to talk to somebody like that puts things more on edge possibly um in my experience when you when you engage those things or when like there's like this like stress moment of poor correction it just it snowballs and impacts so many other things we're like, you just got to guess that you want to make sure you know they're
0: not going to go to the hospital,
1: right? You know, like <laughs> I can't eat soy. Yeah. but you're like the people are stepping on eggshells instead of hustling in direct, clear question response. And everybody's back. Like, that, so what's the
0: right mentality you should have in that situation? What's the mentality that you have? It
1: um, that guests aren't often, almost all the time, aren't just trying to make something up, and that the server, more importantly. Isn't walking into that the wait staff isn't working? Isn't walking into that conversation with whatever back house leadership just trying to create a problem? Yeah.
0: So it's just like you, you know having that that mental uh, that mindset from the very beginning that this isn't a, a bad thing. It's a it's just another thing. Like cherish the process. We got to do this right. And if you have that positive like okay let's get this right from the very get go it it completely ripples through everything that's going to happen from that point on Uh, that, that that energy that you go into the situation.
1: yeah, And you foster that, that culture, you know, like I think that like restaurants have a culture and that culture comes from the, uh, the top down and is maintained on an everyday basis. And you're constantly maintaining your culture. Everything that you do, every action is a shift in the sand on what you are and what your principles are and what you set out to be. Um, you can call it a brand identity. You can call it your culture, whatever that's that, that is something that you're constantly in an attempt to maintain. You have to coach it, focus on it and, and help assist your team to maintain those things that, um, it's the hospitality industry. Um, people are here having, you know, celebration, they're mourning something. It's just a regular day out for them. Um, but we we're here to like to to welcome you, yeah. to help you out, and that along that way, those you know, those slight slip ups, if they continue, they, they foster negativity and interactions that make it difficult to just assure that this this thing that we can that we're trying to offer folk can be maintained.
0: Mm. And I think this is the only thing I want to add on to this is the idea is, is that it all comes from you. So you've got to be so mindful. Of what energy you're putting out there and what standard you're setting, because it's going to trickle down from how you handle these situations. So if you get a report or like a, com- a complaint or a special request, and you're like, oh, like not again, like that's the tone. So you got to be you got to be very careful what you're communicating because people are just going to follow whatever suit. You know your you know whatever hand you're, you're showing. If yeah, the
1: example is set and is maintained for the better or the worse by yeah. the leadership in the restaurant. You know, owners hire teams put together a team, um, and foster that good ownership, in my opinion, fosters that ability and gives creative freedom where it makes sense and and tries to hold people accountable to the standards that were set and that they're intended to maintain. Um, and I think that oftentimes, you know, that it can either be overlooked or not, not noticed when you're just like, oh, another blah, 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 Yeah, you know, like for for anything, you know, like, that could be um, my frustration with like, I've got a million things going on and I've got an employee that needs something from me. And like, obviously that exact same thing happens to them on the line or like the front of the house when they're like, Hey, did you see that uh, 12 needs some water um, that you're responsive to like, okay, got it. Uh, and, and logging yeah. it and like affirming heard or yeah I've got you and then maintaining that that you are you're as dependable as anybody else would be the standard is set by you the culture is set by you you maintain and foster that identity for what the place is I'm not there every shift but if we can make sure that that culture is adhered to that everybody is buying in like hey this is what we do we're nice to people and give them tasty weird drinks and food <laughs> you know like yeah. that's what we do that's what we try and maintain
0: sweet so you're 28 around the time you're wrapping up here you said uh you know 6 years at this restaurant you mm-hmm. started when you were 22 going into your your later 20s early 30s what were you doing during this time were you at another restaurant were you studying to become a Ciceroan? um so or a, a brewer, d- sorry brewer yeah um so i i was
1: I was really getting into craft beer, um, and knew that it was what I wanted to be around, um, was trying to foster some things at the place in Carytown. We had decided we're going to be open until two. We're going to like throw a couple of craft beer lines on. Um, we didn't have a whole lot of opportunity, um, but it was 2006, seven around here. Um, so we were, we're trying to do what we could do. Um, and I was like, all right, it's like, I've been here for a while. It's time to make a change. Um, I knew that there was uh, going to be an opportunity at this beer bar in town, um, and I, I went and I started serving again. It was like I will be employed as as bar staff at some point here. Like I can I can convince them through my passion and like desire. Like I was constantly reading books on beer styles. Was home brewing a lot. Like was in love with craft beer at the time. Um, and then got on and was able to um, really connect to people. The 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 team that we had together at that point was just like looking back on it, an insanely high quality team. There's this is a different restaurant
0: that you're in now, or the one that you?
1: Yes. Okay. So um, started off a little restaurant in Carytown after school. Was there for like six years. Went to another place that was like large scale beer focused spot, um, and. Uh, was there for four years. Um, and while there, went to the Siebel Institute. Um, I thought two thousand and two thousand eight. 2008, I thought I was going to become a brewer. Okay. Um, I'd been um, like making a lot of beer. Um, Adam and I, business partner at Saison, um, he and I became good buddies over making beer regularly. Um, having friends over to eat kind of, we sort of recognized them. We like shared a lot of the yeah. same vibes in, in what like conviviality and what the, like the benefits of that like convivial creativity
0: and service. Um, so conviviality friendship, right? Yeah. So what's convivial? Fr- um, what was it? Convivial creativity. What is that? I've never heard that expression before.
1: Um, I mean, for me, that's like, <laughs> that's, that's what, the creative process is so like, and and food and beverage is there for like making beer beverages, um, cocktail wine, beer like that, like creative creative ways to foster the friendship to create. Yeah. To foster friendship or to foster new ones that like Mm. you've got, like there's friends that you have an opportunity to meet to like in the, in like, what's the best way for me to explain it in the way I feel about it. Um, that you're not making a beer
0: for yourself to drink. You want to drink it for the right? reward of somebody else getting to experience what you created. What that, that with that thing that you did for them.
1: Yes, that you like, we made it. Hey, let's have beers together. Yeah, that like like you're fostering that like the the conviviality with your with your friends, with possible new friends, and with like with other folk. That it's almost like
0: a leverage point for you to like use this tool, your passion for beer and sharing this knowledge about beer and sharing the actual beer itself to reach out like a boom into like the, the world to pull onto yourself, new friends, new people to sh- just to surround yourself with new friends, like yeah.
1: new I- friends and to, I mean to, to share like that, that mutual affinity for what it is to like hang out on a porch and have beers with your friends and yeah. just enjoy that time. Enjoy the, like the ease of company. Um, I always, like go back to like thinking like w- what the initial beer was for, you know, like you've got like two tribes hanging out in close proximity. And like one person from the group is like, Hey, we've accidentally made this product that yeah, is and catching. Check us it it out. <laughs> <laughs> and like, we need to intermarry to improve our lot. I'm going to bring these beers over to these guys over here. We'll hang out or these ladies we will hang out. We'll be like, Hey, let's get to know each other a little better. Yeah. Um, and that I'm certain that at some point when the guy was like, I've got to like ask if like my son can marry his daughter. <laughs> He's like, I'm going to bring over a couple of my beers. Yeah. We'll talk. It'll be easier. We'll yeah. like break the ice and, and, uh, and joke. So I've always had like that kind of like that joke in the back of my head. I, I, the, those first beers were
0: were purposeful. Your way to add value to the relationship,
1: yeah, and make it like to to, to foster new ones. Yeah, you know whether it's um, beer, cocktail, food. You know, like thinking of like you know luncheons at the in the basement of the church growing up, or um, you know a, a repast at a funeral where there's like you know it's you're mourning but you're seeing old friends like. Food, beverage, it brings us together and it fosters that kind of that joy in life. Um, In my opinion, that's like a a big part of what it's there for.
0: I love it. And I couldn't agree more with you. So now you 're kind of creating this energy you're you're developing this community of friends that share uh beer and meals together and you 're dreaming was that the launching pad for opening your restaurant like were you drawing on this community to prime the engine that became Saison or was it completely detached from that original energy that momentum that you built
1: um I mean we were definitely playing ideas off of our friends like hey these these ideas do they work? Are they tasty? Do you like them? Like conceptually. And then also recognizing that that kind of thing didn't exist in this town at that time where a place that took food very seriously, beer very seriously, um, and cocktails, but like in a incredibly laid back way, yeah. like if you happen to come in in like, you know, a suit, three piece suit, whatever, Or if you come in tank top tatted up and a long chain, like both of you are so welcome here. Yeah, like we want you here. We want you. We want you to sit beside each other and get excited, like for the weird beer that you're both drinking. That you're like, man, this like this product connects us. I've seen it, and at at the place I was working at the time, the big beer bar, um, you saw that a lot of the times, where like two people who like on the exterior and in the like uniform of life that they wore could not appear more different. But like when they sat down and were like, man, this
0: Saison it was a commonality, is- something that was separate from these two entities, these two uh classes of people, yep. but in their world that beer was something that was in between that they could come together to share. And it didn't matter where you were from or, you know, what your background was. Uh, You could share the same experience and come together and just like use that as a, I don't know, like a, a magnet to totally. bring people together. It
1: was, I used to, I haven't said this in a long time. We like, when we did Saison, we called it democratizing dope shit. <laughs> Whereas like, <laughs> there's like so much like incredible food and beverage out there that like for so long seemed like it wasn't available to, all classes of folk that you either had to like dress a certain way or look a certain way or have enough affluence to be able to do where like food and drink doesn't give a shit who you are (laughs) and like delicious is delicious. You know, Um, like that exists. Sure. Palates are different, but like enough of us can taste things, discuss and agree like, yo, this is delicious. And, and that, like we wanted to make that available to everybody,
0: so how take us through the process the now like you kind of painted the picture of what you wanted to create what the vision was sure how did you make it happen how did you how did you pull together the people the people the pieces of the puzzle uh the knowledge the, the the things you needed to actually pull us off the money how did you pull it all together sure
1: um so we Adam and I started looking we put together a business plan um, we had met with folk from the um uh, from SCORE, um, the Service Corps of Retired Executives. Yeah. Um, branch of the Small Business Administration. Which is a uh, free
0: service that totally. is out there. It's available to everybody, so take advantage of it. Take, Side I mean, note. Take yeah. advantage yeah. of
1: it. It is, it even if it takes a lot of time, um, or if you're like, I have no idea what I'm doing as I'm writing this thing, or if you're not the best with spreadsheets, yeah, um, take the time and, uh, and 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 let it be part of the process if you're in the, uh, developmental stages. So For we, sure. we utilized this. We, um, had our concept. We, um, forecast sales. Um, so we had this thing, this like bright, shiny package. We were like, this is conceptually an awesome restaurant. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Adam and I were, um, cooks and bartenders. I had managed a place, but at that time, um, was actively bartending and, uh, we didn't have a whole lot. Um, yeah, and, everybody that we shopped this idea to. When you say you didn't it? have a
0: whole lot, what do you specifically um, I mean, what?
1: we didn't have a lot of money. Yeah. Um, we didn't have like financial backers who were like, we know you're going to do it. This is going to be awesome. We've seen the proven track record. But Here what you did go. you have? Um, I mean, we had our, um, our organizational strengths of knowing that we knew how to run the industry. Adam had, um, he'd learned, he and I were working at the same beer bar, um, and there it was kind of like we were both in restaurant college in some ways um, as far as how to we learned a lot what not to do. We also learned a lot what to do, and especially for working him. working at this beer bar yeah. or um, for him especially uh, like managing back of the house numbers um, so we were both as we put this plan together, we knew that you know we had the um,
0: the knowledge for you're doing it for somebody else you might as well be doing it for yourself at this point yeah and
1: i mean both like with insane levels of passion we're like all right it's time
0: for us to do it
1: our way um
0: so real quick i'm kind of happy you're mentioning this team uh because I wanted to go there earlier, and mm-hmm. I was hesitant to go in back, I like to say chronological. Sure. But you said that this team at the at this restaurant, this beer bar, was incredible. There's something yeah. special about this team. So, what was it exactly about the the chemistry that was going on in this team? what made this team incredible?
1: Um, there was just an, a, an incredible level of passion for um, for beer there, um, for craft beer shared passion though, shared passion but, right, yeah. and like in different levels of knowledge. Um, I was able, um, so I was working with my good friend, Chris Elford. Um, and, uh, he were, he and our bartending together. I was getting insanely into beer. He was getting more into beer. Um, and he ended up being our first beverage director at Cezanne. He moved to New York. So working at a couple of beer bars, got was he He's, really a, he's around too, wasn't he? Yeah, he's just around. Yeah. Um, and, uh, um, he started getting really into cocktail as well, and he and I would, while we we're still bartending, he was in uh, like in New York at cocktail bars. We'd come home, I'd be like, "Hey, I have these ingredients." what drink can I make? And nice. he'd share that um, with me. So the, we're like- the power of being around
0: like-minded people who have yeah. that, that you, you, you build on that momentum. When you come together, you can just go so much deeper and have such more, bigger impact on, the, on this passion. This, this thing that you're all in love with in that, that energy can just, you know, you, it, it transfers other opportunities. Absolutely. It transfers
1: uh, other opportunities. And like each of us, we're kind of, everybody's building each other up too. Mm. As you're watching this nascent scene continue to develop, and like you're like oh all right you are now really into um, interesting Belgian beers and you've already like gone through like crushing some IPAs and stuff like let's introduce you to sour beers mm. and like sometimes that was just like crash and burn but other times you're like you're all these folk are are really starting to get. Really but excited. Your,
0: your guests are building on that energy because totally. you guys are authentically, yes, sir, well. genuinely excited about this stuff. They're associating new experiences, education, learning experiences with your restaurant, your business. You took that same concept, that same idea of crazy, wild food and drink that you're educating your 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 your, your uh, customers, your guests yes. with. Uh, they associate all this new knowledge, all this, these experiences. Uh, education is a huge education is a huge tool with huge. creating experiences. Absolutely, um, and especially when you're truly passionate about it, that energy is raw it's authentic and it transfers
1: yeah it's so authentic it's i mean and that's that's what that's one of the things that was so incredible about that team like everybody who was really killing it was learning on their own we were doing like tastings at friends houses we do off flavor analysis of things where, like everybody was like nerding out but really fucking stoked yeah and wanting to share this with guests they're like yeah. i can't wait for you to, i can't wait to see Bill, be excited about sour beer. I know he's like yeah. he's like on that same path that like all of us have been on. He's like here, here. He's tacking off of the lines. Like, so so
0: ultimately, sure. this restaurant was the launching pad for saison because it was you, the executive chef, uh, Bill Adam, yeah. and the Cicerone manager, Chris. You guys, Chris, came together. And why didn't you make Chris a partner? I'm curious. Why is, wasn't that? Was he not a part of the? Was he in New York when this was all going yeah, down?
1: He was in New York and um, was he was like I was I'd been begging him to come back. I was oh. like, dude, come back and start this thing with us. We'll yeah. Come back and start. And he was like, I'm not leaving New York. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and then like um, like b- between work stuff and personal stuff, he was like, I need a break from yeah. New York. Um, We got play this for you, brother. And it was like, I mean, the timing was perfect. It was like, yo, like Cezanne's actually going to happen now. We've secured the lease. Like in two months, we're going to start doing yeah. uh, some renovations to the space. And this will be an opportunity. And he was like, all right, yeah, no. so um, and, and I'm going to do it. And yeah. there were, I mean, there were a number of other coworkers who were with us that we recognized as passionate people from that same space that we knew already had this knowledge base that we brought on the team. Um, and I mean, from a financial standpoint, my parents took a risk on us. They are, um, they're, you know, solidly middle-class. Yeah. Um, we sought out a place that was very. It was a, already a restaurant, so we just need to do some like, yeah, paint, renovation, different
0: stools.
1: You know, different. Were back you an, bar. Uh,
0: an exit strategy for somebody? Were they looking to get out, or was it a turnkey operation?
1: They, um, they yeah, some folk were were trying to get out. They had a few years left on their lease. Um, we negotiated back and forth for about eight months. How did you find this opportunity?
0: Were they putting it out there, or did you know them? Or Um, we didn't, but like, there's
1: always little messengers Mm. in the food and beverage scene. Like salespeople recognize when they're the numbers that they have been uh, seeing. So did
0: you approach them and say, "Hey, like, are you looking to get out?" Yeah,
1: Um, yeah. We we heard that they were. We went over and we're like, "Hey, if you're trying to leave." We would love to be here. Yeah, um, we There's, looked at a bunch of different neighborhoods. We had put a letter of intent and had a deposit on a spot in Carytown. The vibe didn't feel as right, but it was like a really killer cool location. But when we walked into Cezanne um, or Marshall Street Cafe um, at the time in Jackson Ward, we were like, "This is it." Yeah, like this is the neighborhood. Like this so is the corner. This there is, is it, man. There,
0: there is a huge lesson to kind of you know shine light on here. Uh, Get in the industry, start talking to people, be a part of the industry in that market and be receptive to what opportunities are out there and don't wait for them to come to you go to them and make it happen yeah. and in that situation where somebody wants an exit strategy you got the negotiating power now because they that's just right. want to get out they want to, and you can get a great deal where you have equipment everything's there maybe even licensing you might even be able to take over that business yeah. and like that that transfer like instead of trying to build something from scratch and you don't have the capital behind you to do it yeah take advantage of that opportunity be that exit strategy and you can come out with a great situation yeah uh, absolutely. so that's one of the ways you pull the because you were someone's exit strategy. Mm-hmm. What other things did you have to do to pull this off? Like take us like we're at almost 45 minutes of recording time now. Okay. So I want to uh try to get some nuggets from this first experience of opening Saison, how, sure. do, how you did it, what, what knowledge you didn't have then that you have now that you can drop on my listeners. One thing you know you did right or you didn't do that you wish you did drop it on us right now.
1: Um, I mean the team building was just something that, um, I think we did really, really well. Um, we also, stand by an opportunity to allow our people to create and and get out of the way in a lot of ways. We do so all of our say uh, that
0: so again you stand by the idea of getting out of the way and letting your people create. Is that yeah,
1: so I, heard? I mean especially thinking of our um our bar menu, um you know we we do it organically as a team um and as owner um we set up an idea of what we wanted this to be, what the expectations of the menu would be, that it would be uh, diverse in its options um, from spirit wise, from uh, organoleptic experience and, you know, how bitter it was, sweets are, whatever. Um, and that we would let the, the team come together and and make those, those drinks. And then we'd, everybody tastes and we're like, this is really good. Um, And instead of, uh, you know, cathedral style leadership of being like this one, this one, that one. No, we're like, all right, everybody create, everybody talk, uh, everybody taste,
0: everybody improve. What does that do to the culture? How does that foster a culture?
1: I people buy into the ownership of the space. They Mm. like, they know that they had a creative hand in, in what's coming out and they actually, You have an opportunity to create a lot of times, um, you're dictated what you have to offer. And, um, a big part of what we wanted Saison to be was a constantly evolving list of delicious things, um, that were like always being creative and that were being fostered and maintained by the entirety of the staff. So kitchen will taste, tinker, try things out, run a special, have them taste and, you know, Different guys will get different dishes on the menu the mm-hmm. um, same thing with our our cocktail list we we have the whole team come together and and get jazzed about the creative process and then they are they care so much about having that connection moment with a guest to be like
0: oh like, how do you get them to care so much though you give them the opportunity to create like it's it's if it's their own if it's a something that came from them that they're Excited to share with the world because they know this is from their own mind and that they, they take that and they just – they don't sell it. They're not selling. They, they, they're just literally extending a part of what they are, their passion to to the guests. And you yes. can't recreate – you can't cannot. get somebody to get on board for something that they just don't give a fuck about.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean you you can't – teaching passion is uh, – if, if the folk know how to do it, please share that information with me. <laughs> um,
0: I don't think you teach passion. I think you give passion by acknowledging the strengths and people and the, the, the when when you see somebody who does something and they're good at it and you it's like you making beer and your friends are like wow this is delicious how did that make you feel?
1: Oh, it's great. It's so empowering. that's the you're cookie like, that makes you yes. want to get better
0: at that thing. Totally. I mean, that's what you're passionate about. It's the result of whatever the, the thing is that you do. It, For the, sure, the recognition. I think. I mean, that's my theory on it. So I don't, know. I, don't I,
1: know. I I agree with you. It's and I, I think that um, by. By fostering that passion, by creating a that culture where like you want everyone to have a chance to create and to be part of this thing. Like there have been so many times I've worked for so many people who like your staff comes to you with great ideas or you have a great idea that you want to bring to someone and it just falls on deaf ears and you're like, All right, well I guess never mind. If you give instant deflation. Yeah. And so you give this opportunity where we are all like we're we're all making this together. This yeah. is this is our menu. Um think you that those passionate people want to be a part of that culture, yeah. you know? Like we have been very lucky. We have extremely low turnover because everyone on that
0: team wants There's to a be sense part of, of, of the team. Yeah. Yeah. So, how did you know after 2 years that it was time to expand? Um I
1: so we thought that we were, when we opened Saison, we thought that we were going to be a neighborhood beer bar. Um, and pretty quickly, Richmond let us know that, like, we were a a cocktail bar with a really weird beer list, um, which we were fine with. We just didn't realize that, like, there was so much pent-up desire in town for cocktail. Um, and so as we became a little bit more that, we weren't as much of a neighborhood place. We didn't have as much, like neighborhood walk-in traffic became more destination for folk all over As word spread. Like, yo, these guys are making incredible food, incredible drinks. It's in this like interesting neighborhood. Um, and sorry, it's that's right. going off. it's my friend's 40th birthday today. Oh, nice. <laughs> He's going to be so pissed. That I just declined his call. Um, and, uh, <laughs> it's, um, it's this, this neighborhood where everybody's like, we, we, we recognized that it was like on the come up and we were excited um, to bring what we thought was going to be neighborhood spot in. And when we became more destination, we were like, I'm just watching it happen. Like watching sales grow, um, but also watching, like um, we were open, we were open till two every night. It was something that we committed ourselves yeah. to very early on. We wanted to be like a neighborhood bar as yeah. well, um, so we were getting a lot of service industry folk in. Okay, um, that's huge, right there. Huge, I mean, especially
0: for growth opportunity. If you can attract onto yourself your next employees, and you can really get a sense of who's out there, who's really passionate, who's right. you know,
1: those first those first I mean first seven months of being open till two every night, were, like me and the bartender sitting there is like one of the person coming in. They're like, "Why are we doing this?" I'm, like just Trust me. Like, so you were
0: <laughs> intentional from the very beginning that you knew you were going to attract onto yourself industry people, and that was
1: a very much a purposeful. One was to. this
0: in the intent to source these people to to
1: scale? Um, no, it was more that I wanted a place to be able to get a tasty drink after midnight. With other
0: people who are passionate about the food. Yeah, and, and, the, and knowing
1: the that like there weren't that place didn't exist in town, so it was like all these folks that are working at other dope restaurants that like are making delicious food and drink. But when they're done, it's you know, not, I love dive bars. Yeah. But it's too, like like sometimes I want to be able to like go get interesting, weird beer and tasty drink. And it yeah. wasn't that that spot in town. So we we're like, we're gonna do it. And I'm pretty sure that like other people in the industry who are passionate about these things, who are like nerding out about these these products will be into it. And over um that first seven months, it's really started to take on. Um, and it was a commitment because there were a lot of times where you're like, what are we doing? Yeah. And now it's, now it's a huge part of, of, um, of our business. Um, and when you have those, when the service industry is in dining at your place, having drinks there, like they're going to their bar or their restaurant and connecting with their guests. And they're like, if you haven't been yep. to Saison, you've got to go try. Mm-hmm. And when you go get the Mezcal old fashioned, get the, Kentucky Burns, whatever. Um, So you've got, we weren't, we recognized that we would have a sales force out there working for us, but we weren't trying to have a sales force. We wanted a place for the restaurant industry to be able to come and get good shit. Yeah. We're like, let's foster this place for them. Like,
0: but good always follows with more good. If you exist to serve and do good and to give something people, uh, something to get excited about and to serve no matter who it is, whether it's people within the industry or outside of the industry that will come back to you some way, somehow. And it sounds like it worked for you. So, sure. um, um,
1: sorry, is, I, I meant to, we were talking the expansion. Yeah. Um, so we just recognized that, um, there was a, a lack in the market over there. We're like, yo, there's like no place you can, get a cup of coffee inside of the neighborhood. It's not a place where you can buy a six pack of beer at 1150. Like this doesn't exist. Let's make it exist. You
0: you created a market almost like you created this thing that wasn't there. You created a market for it.
1: Yeah. Um, And then, I mean, just noticed that it was, uh, there weren't, the services weren't there and we were able, you know, saison markets like a, a one and a half business, you know, like it's like a half business. It's the, it's, the same business as Cezanne. Um, but we have a completely different scope of service and services in there. Is it a um, different team or same team or do you guys cross pollinate? Um, same team. We share the same kitchen. Um, all the food comes out of there. Um, it made us, it made our labor, um, significantly more, um, affordable and productive. Um, all the, the daytime hours of prep became revenue hours. Um, we were able to we opened up as you know a, a weird beer shop um and like fostered a natural wine program um but also um or just like a neighborhood meet up spot you know this little sidewalk patio out front people come and grab a beer after work um or after their uh their kitchen shift with friends yeah. and hang out um and it just it filled it filled so many needs the neighborhood had but it also did a lot for us by by increasing our revenue and gross volume of sales for beer we were able yeah. to get these more niche products that we wanted to have for our identity as a beer bar next door um, by selling so much more wine we were able to get like smaller allocation things that we could run where people would be able to to try like so much more I got interesting you. product
0: so um a couple of things I want to touch on before we hit the speed round. We're almost—it's crazy to think we're like fifty-five hour or fifty-five minutes of recording time. It's going by so fast. Um, your latest restaurant that's open, Flora. Uh, two new business partners, uh, Jason Alley and Michelle Jones, uh, behind Pasture Comfort and Southbound. There, I mean, there's no, a, Pasture and Comfort. Yeah, uh, there's one thing I've noticed about Richmond that's so unique is I'm calling it this polyamory of business partners. Of like, you guys are—it's like a bush of like the connections of like, like some people have like business, like, like trees where like it branches out, but this is like a bush where it all comes back in again and everyone's connected one way or another. And there's like the sense of like community and collaboration and and not competition. Yeah. Uh, That's fair. Elaborate, explain how is this working for you guys? Um,
1: I think it's, it's just a a little bit of like a rising tides kind of thing for everybody. Where like, we all recognize that, um, you know, we're, um, mid-major city with, like, a weird, like, identity. Like, we're, like, the northernmost part of the South for most people. Um, like, the, but, like, Philly still thinks of us as the South. Yeah. Um, like, this incredible uh, punk scene and hardcore scene from the 80s, um, which is all DIY. So you had this, like, the the restaurant industry scene itself um, kind of grew out of like the art and music scene that was already here. So there's already a, a culture that was part of the city's vibe. And that was like collaborative DIY. So like, I mean, for us, when we started getting into it, um, it was something that we took note of immediately. We wanted to do, we wanted to collaborate with our, our, our other friends in Richmond. We were like, yo, like we're going to have a pop-up night over here. Let's just make some weird drinks and and have a blast. And like, we we're trying to throw these parties early on um in our uh, nascent and it's um i think everybody you know, there's there's not that need right now in town to feel like this uh collaboration is um negative for my business um we all recognize that it's you know the the spirit of the city Yeah. Like we're all like yo like it's Plus- dope that place is dope. This But it, place is dope. What it seems like together. you
0: guys all have your niches, right? You kind of came on scene more being recognized for your drinks, your yeah. the creative side of the drinks, and that's what your unique selling proposition, the thing that you bring to the table. This is where I'm strong. Jason Alley is known for his cuisine. his, 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 his he's, he's a staple in the industry for the food that he's putting out, uh, along with like the service that Michelle puts out. You guys come together. You're stronger together. Why compete against each other when you can come together and together put out, far better product you could ever do by yourself
1: yeah i mean it was a so that team came together um more inspired by bingo the the thing that we're about to open yeah um that was the original point um ted ucrop who like his family's from so
0: real quick bingo yeah. is the concept you guys are currently working on that's not open yet that is a barcade uh so you guys came together originally to work on the barcade and you had this other opportunity come up while you're playing for the for bingo flora yeah. opportunity came up.
1: Yes. Um so bingo, um like production brewery arcade restaurant. Um we were um so Ted Ucrop is one of our partners. Um his family's like uh grocers in town for the longest time um sold out and now he's um kinda in hotel business and um and other facets of, of service still um and hospitality um he and his wife were in um after first Friday's art walks, like just all the galleries, First Friday just have parties all over Broad Street and gallery showings and um openings of uh of shows. Um and we're just chatting. And he's like, What does Richmond need? Um I think that's like that's been one of um our strengths, um and my personal strengths is being able to kinda of look at the market and see what's lacking and where opportunities exist and, and how we can like foster a team to, to make that, that hole that's in the market be filled. Um, And so my suggestion was just that we, we need more entertainment. There's so many incredible restaurants, so many um, awesome places, but like, there's not a whole lot just to do. Um, The breweries offer a good amount of that vibe, um, but the breweries here in town, um, a lot of them will have like food trucks arrive. Um, but there's not a lot of food element there. So you're just there and it's just beer, which, um, is great. I mean, it's a, it's a cultural phenomenon to like, just watch, you know, a brewery tasting room transition throughout the day from like young families, dad having a beer with like other dad friends or, you know, just other friends coming to meet and hang out and that transitioning into uh, younger folk. Um, but it is, there's limits there's things that are lacking there um, in my personal, um, feeling. So we were like, all right, let's do this production brewery, bring the gaming and the opportunity to like cajole your friend over having beaten them in some air hockey, um, and just share beers in good times. Um, but also bring with that purposeful food, um, and a full bar so that your, your friend who is, you know, either not into beer or, is not able to drink beer or doesn't drink, um, that you can have these services for them. So we're trying to solve... I don't know if that's my word. Um, We recognize that there were a lot of opportunities to create something pretty cool.
0: I promise... Somebody, good friend of mine, listener to Restaurant Unstoppable, part of the the mastermind that I ho- I uh, host. I told him, hey, I'm going to interview a guy who's about to open a beer brew or like a a brew pub, a arcade beer arcade or whatever you're calling it. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and he's doing the same thing out in the Midwest right now. Awesome. So I was like, I'll ask. He, he, I was like, do you have any questions? And his name's Colton Schultz. I was like, Colton, do you have any uh, questions you want me to ask this guy? He's like, yes. What w- what food is he going to do in that kind of uh, like, where, like what's the sweet spot in the food that you do in that kind of environment and are you going to charge for the gaming or are you going to make it free?
1: Um, so food, um, what we have uh, conceptualized is a pretty much taking the, the old bowling alley snack bar idea um, and expanding beyond that. So taking Jason's um, Southern comfort food ideas. Um, he's also spent like a lot of time in uh, New Jersey as a kid yep. going on vacations and kind of
0: elevating those things into, and everybody um, as far as like price points, or are, are you just going to go for simple, easy, approachable food? Or are you going to try to be like with a laid back atmosphere like that?
1: Yeah. I mean, simple, um, straightforward food, um, you know, that's playful, fun, but delicious, you know, like it's, um, Jason isn't known for tweezers in the kitchen yeah. anyhow, um, but this is definitely not that. This is um, more laid-back, approachable every day, but higher execution and development okay. of flavor. Got you. Um, and, and as and, far as the
0: gaming goes, are you going to use that as draw to bring people in and then make your money in the beer sales? is what I, I, Or are you going to charge for the actual gaming?
1: Um, for some of the games, yes, um, and some, no. Um, okay. Yeah, I mean, there will be some coin-op things in there, but we've also got... Um five tables of ping pong. Yeah. Um, cornhole, little ring game, a number of things that that are not um I think your
0: dog needs to go out. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's outside. He wants to oh. come in. It was like a little pit bull who's like, Why it's are like, there people and like, not like I've been so patient out here? Um yeah, no, he just wants to be hanging out with the humans. I don't that's, blame him. That's we're almost deal. done. Well the speed round will be quick, I promise. Yeah.
1: Um but yeah, the uh and there will be some um uh, some pay games. Okay. Um but we are um you know the the business is um you know thriving off of, nice. of the beer um and uh and the food.
0: Check out episode four thirty five after we leave today. I would love Deal. to get your feedback on uh sixteen bit uh what they're doing out there in Ohio. It's really interesting stuff. Awesome. All right. Uh anything we haven't gotten out that you were hoping we would get out, now's the time to get it out before it um, the speed round. No,
1: um, I like just kind of realized how many times I said culture throughout the entire time we've been in here, and that's a is, huge part of it, though. It's a huge part of it. It's also like having studied anthropology in school. Like it's just kind of funny how like those things, mm-hmm. it's like become part of your ethos. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, it's a good thing to be a part of your ethos for sure. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Uh, Noah. I haven't mentioned that Noah is sitting right here next to us. Uh, Noah is in Richmond. He's interested in starting his own podcast. You've been sitting here listening to us. Any questions you have, man? Now's the time. No, I not too many questions. But um, you no, know, it's really interesting. Um, I think I've actually been to Flora, which you, which you talked about. You guys open, and that's it's a pretty cool place. I think I had a friend that was like, you guys have like a concert space in the back. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah.
1: Like music space and uh, event space. Sweet, awesome. So what's,
0: what, what's the question? No, no, I just wanted to ask him about okay. it. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Sweet. Uh, all right, we're going to take a quick break to thank our sponsors, and we'll be right back. All right, I have a question for you. How can an anonymous employee reporting program be a profit center for your restaurant? Hmm. Well, for starters, fraud alone represents a staggering loss to the restaurant industry with an estimated $40 billion in losses in the U.S. in 2017 alone. And this does not include the losses and costs associated with the more than 540,000 calls made to the U.S. EEOC in 2017, resulting in millions of dollars in penalties and legal costs for restaurant owners and investigators related to claims of harassment and discrimination. So do I have your attention? Good, because there's more. Employee tip-offs about misconduct continue to be the most common method for detection and prevention, but employees are often deterred from reporting their concerns directly to supervisors because they're afraid that there's going to be retaliation or they might lose their job or something, and I get it. But with Ethics Suites Anonymous and web-based restaurantethics.com, you can provide a safe, secure, simple, and anonymous communication channel between you and your employees to help protect your hard-earned reputation and assets. Go to ethicssuites.com slash restaurants Unstoppable, and you will get a three additional months. So for the cost of 12 months, you'll get 15 months or head over to the show notes and find the banner and you can use the link there. All right, we're, we're back and this is going to be a true speed round. Jay's going to be somewhere. So first question, what is your it factor? Habit trait uh, a characteristic you believe most contributes to your success?
1: Um, a team builder.
0: Team builder, heard. What is your biggest weakness?
1: Um, I can be um, a little... Uh, too sure of my opinions on things sometimes I' try to take a uh, stubborn I can be too stubborn okay
0: <laughs> uh what is one question you ask or thing you look for during the interview process
1: um I like to like find out like what kind of attention to detail you have so like asking things about like you know like like do you make puzzles do you play like like any kind of thing that they can unlock. hobbies that uh,
0: that hint that they might be into interesting yeah.
1: that they're like like try to find try to seek out little ways to find out like are you into the details
0: what's your biggest challenge today
1: um um team management um is I'm for like for me is um like inside of like being I guess not on the team management my my time management is what I meant to say um trying to we got a lot going on and trying to make sure that, like everything is being taken care of and that um each spot is getting the um, the time necessary for me to help foster um, what we need.
0: I got two books for you. Intentional Attention uh, by Neen James, who was on the show, mm-hmm. and uh, Eat That Frog by Tracy Will something. I can't remember his last name. Okay. Or great books for time management. Awesome. Uh, share one code of conduct behavior you teach your team, a core value.
1: Um, I mean, core values for us are that a uh, – that it you know, oh man, that's a tough one for me. I'm, I'm not sure why. Um, I got
0: one right now that came out during our conversation. Uh, empowering your people to contribute and be creative, and oh, yeah, that's that's a core value right that's there. That's a big man. one for sure. What's one book that's a must read to make us a better person or restaurant owner?
1: Um, better person or restaurant owner. Um, I well, I think everyone needs to have read Guns, Germs, and Steel. That's like
0: Guns, Germs, and Steel. Yes, biggest lesson from that.
1: Um, man, we are all given so many opportunities that don't on the surface seem like they are. Uh, um, a lot of times you can, you don't realize it, like the playing field kind of landed in a certain way for a lot of people and that, um, unraveling some advantages. Um,
0: we've got some, some privileges in life and recognize them. I know it wasn't all your blood, sweat and tears. You exactly. Got it share an online resource or tool you leverage to stay on top of the industry or your knowledge or anything along those lines.
1: Um, I mean, there's like just an insane hive mind on Facebook. So like utilizing that network of really good friends. Um, who'd you like like to follow?
0: Who's the one person on Facebook that you always love the stuff they're putting out?
1: Um, I mean my boy, Chris Elford, he's like killing it in Seattle right now. Um, opened up a rad place called no anchor. Um, Chris Elford. I'm going to Seattle. Dude, Hook Elford me up. To be, <laughs> I will get you guys in touch. Nice. He is he is a insanely talented person. Beautiful. Um, like just. What's the name of his restaurant? Um, he has no anchor, a weird beer bar, weird food, um, and uh, just opened up a like travel tiki ish but not tiki spot uh, called Navy Strength.
0: Okay, no anchor, Navy Strength, Chris Elford. Elford, look yeah, out, man, coming after first,
1: you. Uh, our first.
0: Um, We're um, we're almost there. I want to respect your time. What's one piece of technology you've adopted in your restaurant and how are you influencing it? This is more like hardware, software that you're leveraging.
1: Sure. Um, We use Slack for a lot of communications, for file sharing, information sharing between everybody to make sure that everybody stays on the same page. So like um, when beers kick, that people know if the tank of gas seemed like it kicked way too Sweet. fast it might be an operational thing
0: and i'm happy that you brought it back to communication because i made a note to talk about communication where you're at today and how you've evolved with communication and using technology to communicate is a great way to come full circle on that if you got the news you'd be leaving this world tomorrow all the memories of you your work and your restaurants would be lost with your departure with the exception of three pieces of wisdom you could leave behind for the good of humanity and for your legacy what would they be That's a uh, tough one did you get that all i said it fast. i think so um <laughs>
1: To uh, to to empower your your people, um, to give them the uh, um, the tools they
0: need. So is that one and two empower your people, give them the tools they need, or is that one? Yeah,
1: I mean it's like one and it's like one a and one b. Okay. Um and uh, um recognize the culture that you're building and be actively um like maintaining and fomenting. The, the culture that you are. Um, hopefully that is good culture. There are some bad ones out there, but like, but taking stock of, of, of the culture that you're creating your space as an owner um, and, and what that, um, what that does. Um, so to the space. empower
0: your people with the tools they need actively maintain your culture. What's number three?
1: Um, give yourself a little vacation every now and then.
0: Make time for you. <laughs>
1: Make time for you, man. Like, uh, um it's, it's, it's incredibly important how much better you are if you're able to step away and come back.
0: Jay Bear, man, this has been a great conversation. Thank you so much for taking the time to share your story, your advice, your mentorship with us. You already called somebody else or somebody out, which is something I have all my guests do. We've got Chris out in Seattle, and I'll be out there. The dog is telling me to hurry up right now. <laughs> uh, and uh, how can we connect if we want to follow your work, your restaurants, or maybe we want to come join your team? What's the best way to connect?
1: Um. So um, you know, on... The easiest way to contact me is uh, Jay at saisonrva dot com, and you can follow on Facebook, um, Instagram at j Bayer jr, um, Twitter at j Bayer jr. Um,
0: All right, I'll have all those links in the show notes. Again, Jay, thank you so much. There is no questioning. You are unstoppable. (laughs) Love it. We'll cut it there. There's another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable. Jay Bear just crushing it today, man! So much great insight from this dude. The three big takeaways for me today are uh, how your culture comes from the top down, so you got to be mindful of what you're putting out there. If if things don't seem to be going right, if you are having this conversation with yourself where you're saying, Hey, I really need to work on my culture. You got to know that the culture comes from you. So if there is a problem with your culture, take a look in the mirror. Uh, the second big takeaway, how giving your people the opportunity to create and contribute will increase their buy-in, uh, People wanna have a sense of ownership. People wanna know that they are that they belong, that they're being heard. And when you give them that opportunity, when you give them the outlet to create, they will show up to work 10 times more willing and ready to take it to the next level. And the last big takeaway for me today, how you go further is by choosing to collaborate instead of choosing to compete with one another. I promise you, I guarantee you, if you look at the people in your market and you say, how can I serve them and how can they serve me, Together you will go further versus, you know, trying to backstab each other. That is not the way to go. Uh, all right, guys. Uh, I think that's all for today. Like always, please do reach out to me, Eric at restaurantunstoppable.com. Tell me who you want to hear from. Tell me how I can best serve you. You can connect with me on Instagram and Twitter, Eric Cachatori facebook slash restaurant unstoppable and guys i need help so if you are listening to this podcast and you love this podcast and you want to contribute to this podcast please do reach out to me again eric at restaurant tell me what your strengths are tell me how you think we can take this thing to the next level i'm all ears i'm listening connect with me and then lastly guys uh the best way to support this podcast is simply by sharing. If you know of somebody out there who's aspiring to be great, put this podcast on their radar. You are the average of the five people you spend most of your time with. And with Restaurant Unstoppable, you can surround yourself with the finest in the industry. All right, guys, that's all for today. Thank you so much for sticking around this long. Until next time, peace out.